That's true. We hold on to that every single day, that your love will never fail. Regardless of the conflict we sit, we face, regardless of the challenge that seems so overwhelming, your love never fails. You won't give up. You won't let go of us. You've made it so clear in your Son, Jesus, that you would send him into this world, that he would take that first step towards us, that our lives can be new and different, whole and complete, more than we can imagine. Your love never fails. So just convince us this day, especially in the midst of those times of challenge and conflict, that we can trust you above everything, that we can walk in the footsteps of Jesus, and that we can live according to his word, and that we can be lifted up from our own selfishness, and that we can find those relationships that you dream about for us. You dream them because you love us. Lord, we come to you today. We ask, use this time to your glory. Mold our hearts, bend our minds, take control of our wills, that we will be totally and absolutely yours. Love us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and have a seat this morning. <clears throat> well, we continue in our series today, God Loves Sex, and... Uh, uh, if you got your Bibles with you, we're going to be looking at uh, chapter number 5 today, predominantly. Most of the work's in chapter 5, the, the early part there. And uh, the topic for the day is differences, when trouble divides. So what's been going on? Well, we have been walking with Solomon uh, and with uh, now his wife. And we've been walking with them from that, remember, that experience of kind of dating to the experience of courtship and then last week, of course, marriage and the honeymoon. And uh, now, uh, now, as we pick up in the fifth chapter, uh, they are into marriage. And uh, one of the things that they discover, and I suspect many of us have discovered, is that uh, part of that experience of uh, moving into the marriage mode is, uh, well, just adjusting to an understanding that with marriage comes the challenge uh, of growing together. And part of that growing together is being able to deal with the reality of conflict. So we're all on the same page. Let's just uh, agree that uh, all marriages uh, will have conflict, right? Uh, now, some of them may have more conflict than other marriages, and uh, some of them may deal pretty good with conflict, and, and others of them may deal pretty bad with conflict. But the reality is that part, part of just marriage, two people becoming one, that becoming process includes the experience of growing together and conflict becomes part of that experience, right? Uh, and for those of you that aren't married this morning, uh, this message applies to you as well, really, because it really does apply to a variety of relationships, right? Uh, so those in the room uh, who have never had a conflict with their parents can give me an amen. Yeah, I didn't think so, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, a conflict is part of relationship, right? Whether it's with our parents, whether it's with our spouse, uh, whether it's with people at work, whether it's with friends, whatever it is, right? The reality is, in, just in our broken nature, we are going to enter into experiences of conflict. The challenge for us is not to accept that conflict happens, especially in our marriages, the challenge for us is to understand, so if that's true, what do we do about it? 
how, how do we try to avoid conflict as much as possible, right? And when conflict happens, how do we make it constructive so we grow through the conflict? That's what we're going to see this morning in the fifth chapter of uh, Song of Solomon, Song of Songs, right? We're going to see the experience of Solomon uh, in, in experience and his wife in experience of conflict. And we're going to try to identify uh, three things that really are conflict creators. And then we're going to try to identify three things in the text that seem to be conflict busters. You ready to go? Let's look at the whole situation. You ready? And our first kind of conflict creator. The first conflict creator is simply unmet expectations. Unmet expectations. Here's what it looks like for Solomon uh, and his wife. Chapter 5, verse 2, it says, and this is Solomon, uh, or this is the, the, the bride uh, talking here, his wife, saying, I slept, but my heart was awake when I heard my lover knocking and calling. Open to me, my treasure, my darling, my dove, my perfect one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of the night. Okay, so you get what's going on there, right? No, you don't get what's going on there, right? Okay, so here's what's going on. Let me help you. We'll walk together on this one. You ready? So notice at the end it says, this. so at the end with the quotes there, that's Solomon talking. So the wife, the Shulamite wife, his wife starts talking, and then she quotes what Solomon says when he says, Open to me, my treasure, my darling, my dove, my perfect one. Now notice when he's saying it. My head is drenched with dew. My hair with the dampness of the, what? Night. What's going on? Simply put, Solomon, for whatever reason, apparently woke up in the middle of the night and was feeling a little frisky. <laughs> and so what did he do? He walked down the hallway and went, Honey! Hello, honey! So Solomon, feeling a little frisky, walks down and starts rapping on his Shulamite wife's door, right? And all the women, of course, are hearing that going, does it always have to be about sex, right? Well, in this case, it is. I can't explain that. I can just tell you, in this case, it is, right? Solomon's up in the middle of the night. He's feeling frisky, so he goes down and he raps on her door and says, honey, Open to me, my treasure, my darling, my dove, my perfect one. So he's rapping, saying, honey, honey, right? Now, notice how his darling, my dove, perfect one, treasure responds. But I responded, I've taken off my robe. Should I get dressed again? I've washed my feet. Should I get them soiled? What's she saying? Solomon, what are you thinking? It's the middle of the night. I've been sleeping, pal. I'm already in my jammies. I've already got my night makeup on. What is your head doing here? Do you get the sense they're about to enter into some conflict? Absolutely. And so the net result is, my lover tried to unlatch the door. My heart thrilled with him in me. I jumped up to open the door for my love. My hands dripped with perfume. My fingers dripped with lovely myrrh. As I pulled back the bolt, I opened to my lover, but he was gone. What's going on? Solomon 
had some expectations. He went and rapped on his wife's door. His wife, too, had some expectations to sleep. And so Solomon ends up doing what? Right? That's the way it works. He ends up stomping away. And they are now in conflict. Why are they in conflict? Well, they're in conflict because of unmet expectations. Somewhere along the way, they didn't talk to one another about their expectations for sweet frequency of intimacy. And so Solomon shows up in the middle of the night, and his wife says, Are you nuts? And he stomps away. And now they're in conflict. So often for us, our relationships get into conflict situations simply because we have unmet expectations. We think our spouse just ought to meet these expectations even though we've never taken the time to tell them what those expectations are. So often, husbands hear the phrase, well, you just should have known. Never said that, hey, wives? Yeah. I mean, so often, wives feel like, well, if he loves me, he'll just know. He doesn't, ladies. He doesn't know. He's dumb, okay? He doesn't know. If you don't tell him, he don't get it. That's the way it works, right? And guys, so often guys, they will say something to their wives, well, you know, when we were dating... Like somehow she's always going to be that person that she was when you were dating and she's never going to change, she's never going to mature. And whatever the contract was when you were dating, that is an eternal contract that will never change into your marriage. Hello? You see how that works? What's going on? Each of us have expectations. We have needs in our relationship. And when those needs go unmet, it leads to conflict. And the greatest reason we have those unmet expectations is we simply don't communicate them. We don't talk about them. So often conflict arises in our relationships because of unmet expectations that we have that we've never gotten around to simply sharing and talking about. If we would just talk about them we could resolve them before they even come into conflict. Second thing, conflict creator. Another conflict creator is that so often we get into conflict because we simply become all about me, right? It's all about me. Did you notice the the wife's response when Solomon's there rapping on the door with his expectations? Notice her response. How many times do you count the word I in her response? Anybody got it? I count five, okay? You're all sleeping already, okay? Uh, Five, five times. One, two, three, four, five. Five times she's got the word what? I. From which way is she approaching this experience of conflict? Well, she's approaching it totally from me, myself, and I. It's all about me, right? So Solomon's there knocking. The love of her life is knocking on the door. The greatest gift God has ever given her is knocking on the door. And her response is, but I, 
You always got to worry when butts get in the way too there, right? No pun intended there, but butts, you know, butt eye. I mean, it's just a butt eye. Whenever the butt eye gets in there, it's always going to lead to a problem. But I responded, I, well, listen, I've taken off my robe. I'm already in bed. I'm already into my third dream. Do you want me to get up and get dressed again? Listen, I'm all set for bed. My feet are washed. What are you thinking? Right? She's looking at it only from whose perspective? Her own. Only from her own. See, conflict rises in our relationships, not just marriages, but relationships, when we only view the relationship from our own perspective. When we get eye-centered in the relationship. And this is really difficult for us as Christians because the, the mandate that we get from Scripture is not to think about ourselves, but to think about others first. So you look at Ephesians 5, where Paul talks about relationships. In particular, he talks about the relationships of husbands and wives in this section, right? And he says what? Honor Christ and put others where? Wow. Is she doing that at that moment? Not at all. She has no sympathy for her husband in that moment or his expectations. Now, ladies, I'm not saying that every time your husband's knocking on the door with a twinkle in his eye, you have to just say, okay, you know, I'm not suggesting that. But conflict is going to come into your marriage if you look at every situation only from your own perspective. If it's all about you, you're going to be in conflict, right? You're just, you just are. And so you have to be willing to ask the question and say, well, wait a minute, am I being selfish here? Am I, really, am, am I only thinking of myself here, right? And so conflicts arises when we only think uh, about, uh, about ourselves. And uh, giving an example of that, uh, Dr. Jim Dobson tells a great uh, story about a husband and wife and uh, they were getting ready to go out at night, and they were going to go out with some of her friends, the wife's friends, you know. The husband wasn't really excited about the whole thing at all, right? So they're getting ready in the bedroom, and he's kind of procrastinating, and he's running late, and, you know, he's just, he just grousing about the whole thing. I mean, these are your friends. I don't know. I have to go anyway, blah, 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 blah. And then so she walks over and says, Honey, could, could, you, could you zip up my dress, right? So he does the old whoop. You know, not not very gently, and just kind of you know, zip it up, find and grumbles and walks away because he just doesn't want to go. This does not make the wife happy. And so she logs this. She remembers this. And so the next day, they get you know they're done with the dinner party. The next day, she goes to the grocery store. She comes back from the grocery store. Her husband is lying under the car. You know, working under the car. His legs are sticking out. So she figures, well, I'll just show him what it feels like. So she walks over. She leans down and grabs a zipper on his pants and goes, zip, zip. <laughs> How's that, pal? Right? And then she, you know, walks in the house proud of herself. I showed him, right? Proud of herself. Only trouble is she walks in and sees her husband getting a soda out of the refrigerator. And so they go out and, uh, you know, find out it's the neighbor who graciously volunteered to work on the car. Of course, he's totally unconscious uh, because he hit his head as he leaped up there, right? So what am I saying to you? Listen, when you, they're both working out a selfishness there, right? I'll show him, right? You know, well, I mean, it goes nowhere, right? It goes nowhere when you're thinking selfish, 
right? It just goes nowhere. And so conflict comes when we just think about ourselves, right? Uh, the other one is conflict gets created when we just get stuck in our stubbornness. Of course, none of us know anything about this, right? Well, we get stuck in our stubbornness, right? So what happens with Solomon? Solomon's at the door. He's wrapped. His wife has said, are you nuts, you know? And his response is what? My lover tried to unlatch the door, so he's eager, he's trying. My heart thrilled with me. She has a change of heart. She jumps up to open up the door for my love. My hands dripped with perfume. My fingers dripped with lovely myrrh. As I pulled back the bolt, but I opened to my lover, and he was gone. So Solomon has already stomped away from this experience, right? And now where are they? They're in a conflict of stubbornness. You know what this looks like in marriages? Here's what it looks like. You know this. What happens is when you have a conflict somewhere later in the evening, you have a conflict later in the evening, you don't resolve it, and you go to bed. So what happens? You make sure you're the first one in bed, and you get on your side of the bed, and you hunker down, and you put your back to that person that you're married to. And, of course, what do they do? They finally come to bed, and they hunker down on their side of the bed, and what do they do? They put their back to that person over there. And please make sure there is absolutely no back-touching in this experience, right? And above all, should anybody wander across the line and have their cold feet touch my cold feet, well, that's not going to work at all. You see where I'm going on this, right? Right? Nobody will admit to ever having this experience but me. There you go, right? This is called stubbornness, right? Stubbornness. Now, here's the problem for us. We're lying there, and, and we're pretending to be asleep, and we're convincing ourselves what? Well, I'm just going to make them pay for that. That somehow, in our stubbornness, we are hurting them, right? When the truth may be that they're lying over on the other side going, finally, a good night's sleep, you know. No, what are we really hurting? Think, think about this. You ready? Think about this. Jesus says when we get married as Christians, the two shall become what? One. So when we lie on our side of the bed, stubborn in our not touching, and we say, I'm going to show them all we're doing is hurting who? Our marriages. And therefore ourselves. We're not making them pay. We're making our marriage pay. We're making our marriage pay. So we got to get our head around the reality of these conflicts and begin to move ourselves to a better place of what does it take then to break up these natures of ours around conflict. What are the conflict busters? And we're going to see these uh, in the text, right? Conflict busters. The first conflict buster is you have to take the first step back. you got to be willing to step back. you got to be willing to move toward that other person, right? And get out of your stubbornness, get out of all that selfishness, get out of your own unmet expectations, get beyond all that stuff and take that first step back toward your lover, right? This is exactly what happens with Solomon and his wife. He stomps away, and his wife stops and says, what are we doing? What are we doing? And so it says in the text, my heart sank. I searched for him, 
but I could not find him anywhere. I called him, but there was no reply. But what is she doing? She's taking that step, isn't she? She's taking that step. Now listen, this should be what we do without question and without reservation. Why? Because this is exactly what God has already done to us. We don't deserve what he did. We can't earn what he did. And yet, out of his love for us, he took the first step and sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to take all our burdens, all our pain, all our guilt, all our shame, all our disappointment, and the list goes on and on. He took the first step. If he could take the first step and love us beyond the conflict we were having with him, if he could take that first step, we should be the ones taking the step. We should be the ones taking the step. Listen, I don't care how bad your spouse has been. I don't care what a jerk your spouse has been in this situation. There is no justification for us as Christ followers to be jerks back. The call on our lives is to live higher. The call on our lives is to live like Christ. The call on our lives is to take the first step back. And when we feel that conflict starting to to bubble, when we feel the conflict starting to happen, we step out, we step up, and we step into it and say, wait a minute, we don't go there. Our relationship does not go there. Let's settle this right now. That's what Paul says. Paul says in Ephesians 4, we are part of the same body, right? So we're part of Christ's body. This is who we are. Because we're part of Christ's body, what? Stop lying and start telling each other the truth. Don't get so angry that you sin. Don't go to bed angry and don't give the devil a chance. This is what we miss. While we're lying in our beds thinking, boy, we are just punishing the heck out of those people, as this conflict goes on day after day in our relationship, in our marriages, do you know what we're doing? All we're doing is opening the opportunity and sending an invitation to the devil to come in and destroy. That's all we're doing. All we're doing is giving the devil an invitation to come into our relationships and into our marriages and destroy them. And what does that look like? While you're going day after day after day thinking somehow you are punishing your spouse when all you're doing is hurting your marriage, somebody else... Somebody else 